Good morning, my name is H and I am on the staff team at HTC. This morning we are continuing our why series and this morning we're looking at the question of why doesn't God make himself clearer? And we're focusing on the verse in John chapter 1 verse 18 which says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Now, I don't know, as you were growing up, which kind of mythical creatures you talked about as a family or you believed in. The Tooth Fairy is playing a very serious role in our family life at the moment, with two children regularly losing their teeth. Sadly, as our son lost his third tooth, the Tooth Fairy failed to remember to turn up. And the next morning, we were met with a very bereft little boy who was really quite distraught that there was no money under his pillow, but still just an old tooth. So we had to explain that the tooth fairy was incredibly sorry, but that she had been stuck in traffic and hadn't managed to make it that night, but that she promised she would be coming the following night. And she then had to pay up rather a large sum for this one tiny tooth to make up for it. There are some creatures, aren't there, that you can play with, but you never really think about whether they are true or not. The question, however, around, is there a God? And if there is a God, why doesn't he make himself clearer? Is a question that I imagine every single soul on this earth has asked, has crossed through their mind at some point. For some of us, we will have wrestled with it long and hard, for some of us, we may have come out with an answer where we feel like we've, we've begun to understand where God does make himself clear. For others of us, this has been a question that's been triggered, perhaps because of some suffering or because of something that's happened in life that has caused confusion. Perhaps the coronavirus itself has raised this question in your mind. For others, potentially this question is just that sort of niggling in the background. A niggle which for the majority of the time you manage to silence. You manage to sort of push away with the distractions of life. But perhaps as you sometimes lie awake at night, that question comes back in your mind. And you'll be glad to hear that it is such a huge question. I have no expectation of fully answering it in the time that we have. Nor do I think it's really worth going through all the many headlines of the different ways of answering this. So instead, I want to look at this question by asking ourselves two questions. So the first question is, what kind of clarity are you looking for when you ask the question of why doesn't God make himself clearer? Perhaps as you ask that question, what you're really hoping for is that there will be some form of scientific proof, some form of scientific evidence that makes the existence of God completely clear. Perhaps actually for you, it's intellectual evidence. You've looked at Christianity and you're looking at it from an intellectual perspective and you're wanting to find a clarity of God's existence, of him being in this world through an intellectual medium. Or perhaps actually what you really want, you want is that loud audible voice from heaven or a loud physical sign that clearly shows God's existence. We all have those moments, I think, when we wish for these moments of clarity. And yet, actually, the God of Christianity is very unlikely 
to prove his existence through these ways. The God of Christianity is a relational God. Everything that he does and everything that he is, is about relationship. And so the way that God would reveal himself is likely to be through the medium of relationship. If you think about right back to the creation story, when God created man and woman, why did he create man and woman? He created them to be in relationship with them, to be in a perfect relationship with them. And one of the non-negotiables, if you want to be in a loving, authentic relationship with someone, one of the absolute non-negotiables is that each party has free will, is that each party is completely free to choose whether or not to love the other member, the other party. So when God created man and woman with the desire of being in this relationship with man and woman, he had to choose to give man and woman free will so that at no point they were forced into a relationship with him, but that they were given the choice and they could choose to love him, in which case he ends up in that perfect relationship with them. But they could also choose to walk away. And so what we have is a God who has chosen to rule the world, not through force, but through love with the sole intention of having a relationship with us. So it's very unlikely that God would choose to reveal himself in such remote ways through scientific evidence or through intellectual evidence or through some powerful sign, although, of course, he could. But for the majority of the time, God chooses to reveal himself solely through the medium of relationship. If he just did it through scientific evidence or intellectual evidence, that might sort of notify us as to God's existence. It might induce some of us sort of through fear to follow him. But it's very unlikely to promote a relationship with him, to lead us into a relationship with him. And so if we are looking for clarity from God's existence, the place we need to be looking is through the medium of relationship where God might have reached out to us to ask to have relationship with us. So how, if we wanted to have a relationship with someone, whether platonic or romantic, how would you go about showing that person that you wanted to have a friendship with them, that you wanted to walk closely with them through life? Well, perhaps if you couldn't be with them, you would send them a letter. You would write them a letter telling them how brilliant you thought they were and how much you would love to be in a friendship with them. Or perhaps you would send a friend with the message of your love for that person. But even better, you would choose to go and visit that person, to go and be face to face with them. Ultimately, of course, we know that the way you really show someone that you love them, the ultimate test is whether or not you are willing to die for that person. Now, you may have noticed that I've used all of these ways to show relationship, to show that you want to have a relationship with someone, not just because they're ways that you might well use, but because ultimately they are ways that God himself has used 
to show himself, to reveal his love for us, to us. So you think, well, I don't think God's ever written me a letter. But actually, we have the word of God. We have the Bible, which essentially is a love letter from God. It tells us the story of God's people and the story of his love for his people. Martin Luther, he said of the Bible that it has hands and it has feet and it runs after us, wanting to pursue a relationship with us. And there's this wonderful image, which you can see here, which shows to me what the Bible is intended for. A letter from God to us to enfold us with his love, to show us that he loves us. He reveals himself through this letter. Similarly, God has used the medium of sending friends, sending his friends to people to tell of his love. In the Old Testament, we see prophets coming and trying to help God's people pursue a relationship with Jesus. In the New Testament, after Jesus has ascended, we see that God then chooses the church, those that believe in him the body of believers, to be his hands and his feet in this world. They are now his friends. We are now his friends who go out to tell the world of his love, the Great Commission. But ultimately, of course, God sent himself. He came in person in the form of his son, Jesus, in order to show us how much he loved us, in order to reveal himself to us. And this is where we come to our verse, verse 18 in chapter 1. Let me read it again. It says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. I.e., when Jesus was sent to this earth, the Son of God, who is God himself, we see the greatest revelation of God. Through Jesus, we can see God. His son, he came to this earth. He came personally to us. And in the three years at the end of his life, Jesus spent his time in ministry, going around, telling people of God, doing miracles, signs and wonders, revealing God to those around him. And he spent this time with his disciples. And towards the end of Jesus's life, Jesus is telling the disciples that he will soon die and he will go to be with his father in heaven. But not to worry, but that where Jesus is going, the disciples will be able to go too. Now, Philip, one of the disciples, cannot make head or tail of what Jesus is saying. But he says to Jesus, OK, so you sh you're going to the father. Show us God. That's all we need. And this is what Jesus replies to him. He says, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I.e., Jesus is saying is all you need to do is to look to me and you will have seen God. You will have seen the Father. And that is the message for us today. If we want to see God, we can look to Jesus. If we want to see God he has been made clear through the person of Jesus. Someone once said that Jesus is the revelation to end all speculation. And in Jesus, we have not just a sort of a mythical idea, 
but we have an actual person, events in history that show that this person, Jesus, actually existed, that he walked and talked and did signs and wonders on this earth. We see that he died for the sake of the world. And then we see the greatest revelation of God, his power breaking through as he raised Jesus to life, to defeat evil once and for all. Through all of these events in history, as we look at Jesus's life, death and resurrection, we see clear signs of not just God's existence, but God's love for us, God's longing for us to come to him and to be in a relationship with him. The question is, of course, is if this is the case, if this is where we see God, then why is it that despite the majority of us in the West having heard about Jesus through Sunday schools or through assemblies at school, are still asking this question, why doesn't God make himself clearer? And that leads me on to the second question I wanted to look at today, which is how sincerely are you asking this question of why doesn't God make himself clearer? I was reading a book on this subject recently and the person cited a question that he had had with a good friend of his. Now, the person recounting the conversation was a Christian, he's ordained, and he was having this conversation with his friend who said, you know, life's really great. My husband's earning enough um, that we can live comfortably. My children have just all ended up back at school, and so I've got lots of time on my hands, and I can pretty much spend it how I like. Life is pretty great. And yet, she said, I find myself wondering surely there should be something more surely I should be experiencing some sort of spiritual experience something greater than this and of course the vicar's eyes lit up this was his moment to finally talk to his friend about God but the friend saw his eyes lighting up and shut him down and said oh no no, no but I mean I don't want to talk about it I'm not that interested in it to me, this conversation sort of sums up what so much of us do with this question of why doesn't God make himself clearer? So often this question arises when something happens in life to us, something out of our control, the coronavirus and how that's shaken life up, or some really hard suffering in life where you need to sort of ask the bigger questions, where you're pushed to ask the bigger questions. But so often when this question arises, we give it our attention for a little bit. But then as the pain subsides or as sort of we get our heads around coronavirus and how to do life, we allow that question to get pushed back to our head. We stop really asking it. We, we push the niggle away. The man who wrote this book, John Dixon, that I was reading, he calls this the sort of the attraction of distraction or sort of what he would say is the spirituality of the West, spirituality of distraction. We sort of know that there are greater things out there, that there are big questions to be asked. But for the majority of life, it's easier to just stay distracted. It's easier to entertain ourselves with the lesser things in life to work hard, to play hard, consumerism, entertainment. These things, they sort of enable us just to keep going. 
when coronavirus happened, for a split second, it looked like people were thinking, oh, goodness, I need to ask, I need to look, find out what the answers to these questions are. But looking at the images last weekend of the streets in Soho, rammed full of people as they've gone back to the pub, you realise that for human nature, actually, it's just easier not to really ask the question. It's easier to dive back in to distraction. So we have this question in our mind, but we duck and we dive and we, we look at it superficially, but we don't dive in deep. We do this sort of dance with the question, but we never really commit to fully asking the question. Perhaps because we're fearful of what we will find out. Perhaps we'll find out there isn't a God and then what on earth is this all about? Perhaps we'll find out that there's a God, but we don't like what we find about him. Perhaps we're fearful if we find a God, how will that mean we have to change our lives in response? Perhaps actually we, we dance around this question because actually we are pretty arrogant and we think we don't really need to know the answer. I've got life sussed, I can live life without knowing the answer to this question. So, so often we ask this question, but we aren't really, really seeking the answer to it. The niggle gets buried. For some of us, of course, we're from what some people have called the microwave generation, where we want everything instantly without having to work too hard to get it. And of course, that means when you ask a question like this, you want a quick, fast answer that, that doesn't require anything of us. And of course, Christianity isn't going to give that. If Christianity is all about a relationship with God, then it's going to require something of us. It's going to require us to give time to seeking God, to pursuing him. The irony that we see in all of this is that it's not actually God who hasn't made himself clear. God has made himself crystal clear through the person of Jesus. We are the ones doing the hiding. We are the ones doing the ducking and the diving. Hiding, whether it's for fear or for shame or in arrogance. Jeremiah 29, 13, it says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The offer of Christianity isn't a glimpse of a distant God who makes up lots of rules. But it is the offer of a relationship with a person, the person of Jesus. And in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, it makes it clear that that offer is for all of us. That God is knocking on the door, but that we are the ones that have to open it. The verse, it says this, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The revelation that we see through the person of Jesus only really begins to give us a taste of God or a sense of actually seeing God when we encounter that relationship. Knowledge of Jesus, knowledge of the revelation of God through Jesus, doesn't actually lead us to see Jesus until we step in in faith and encounter and taste what that relationship actually looks like. I have three children and my greatest desire above everything else is that each one of them 
would personally know God and have a relationship with him. And so sort of I hope through their childhood, one of my main aims is to give them windows of sort of glimpses into my relationship with God, that they would be able to see God through my relationship with him. Now, I don't always manage this, but sort of I'll attempt to share with them what I'm praying about or pray with them when something bad happens. Tell them when God has spoken to me or when he's answered a prayer of mine with the hope that they will grow an understanding of who God is. But I know that it's only actually when they begin their own relationship with Jesus that they will be able to fully say, that they know God, that they see God, that they have seen his revelation through the person of Jesus. So my encouragement to each one of us, if this is a question that niggles at the back or is at the forefront of your mind, pursue it. Pursue it with all your heart. Say to the God that you are pursuing that you won't stop until you find him and look for him in the person of Jesus. Do an alpha course where you will be able to explore all of these claims in so much more detail. But don't stop until you find him, because it is the greatest gift in life to find Jesus and to have a relationship with him. So let me pray. Father, I thank you that actually the answer to this question is found in your son. Lord, that we have accounts of him. Lord, that we can read about him in your word. And Lord, that we can have a relationship with him today. And Father, I pray that each one of us now, wherever we are on this journey, would commit to seeking you, to pursuing you, and that we would find you with all our hearts. Amen.